Hey everybody, Jeff Antoniak here. Welcome to Digging Deeper Jazz. Well, today we've got a, a very cool video uh, lesson with Joe Henderson. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. Now, um, full disclosure, Joe Henderson and I were not actually in the same room when I had this lesson with Joe Henderson. Um, this lesson started a year before I was born in 1964. Joe Henderson was recording the Inner Urge album. And uh, what an amazing album. It's, I, I know it inside out. And the tune he played on there that he composed, Isotope, a blues that has some cool alternate changes. So when I started really digging into Joe Henderson years ago, I learned so much. I didn't have to be in the same room as him to learn so much. I was very lucky to get to hear Joe Henderson live quite a few times. Never talked to him about this tune, but I'm pretty confident I have a sense of, uh, of what he was thinking about here. The neat thing is there's uh, a nice melodic concept that we're gonna learn and a harmonic concept. So this is sort of a two for one deal today. Also, uh, sort of a big announcement coming up. This is the 100th Digging Deeper Jazz video. That's mind-blowing to me. 100 weeks in a row, I've made one of these things. And I enjoy it more and more all the time, actually. Um, the, the amazing comments and input that I get back from everybody and how I hear people using these videos from college professors using these, high school professors, people coaching all state bands, recommending them to their students, people across the world. It's, uh, it's fantastic. So I'm gonna keep going. And uh, there's, like I said, a cool announcement coming up just a little bit later in the video. On the sheet, in item two, what we see is the standard turnaround progression. Turnaround progression. And it is the one, six, two, five progression. Traditionally, in the key of C, it would be C major, A minor 7, D minor 7, G7, the turnaround progression. And the idea is those chords, we start in on C, and we progress to A, to D, to G, and we get back to C. It's this kind of cool circle of fourths, A to D to G to C. We jump to the A, which is a nice consonant sort of jump. So it is literally this turnaround. You get in this little loop and you can just play that song over and over again. And there's actually many songs that take advantage of that. So that is the last two measures of probably three quarters of the songs in the real book or songs that you would play at a jam session or on a jazz gig and definitely any jazz blues. So I'm pretty sure that as Joe was thinking about how to make an isotope, literally, of the blues, how to make a different version of the blues, he was adding and subtracting some chord changes. And I guarantee he was sitting there thinking, man, that this dusty old turnaround, what can I do a little different than that? And so if we look at item number one on the sheet, I imagine that this was his process. We start on C, we go somewhere, we go somewhere, we go somewhere else and we have to get back to C. That's the amount of time. That's the length of this turnaround. I wonder what would work in there. This is like the jazz SATs or the Mensa exam or something like that. Um, this problem solving thing. I got this, I got that. There's three steps in between, what do I do? Now other composers, arrangers, players have come up with their own version. So what Joe came up with, I don't know of a precursor before him, there may be one, but what he realized is if we go down 
in minor thirds. If you look at item number three, if we're on the C, he realized if we go down to A7, then if we go down to F sharp 7, then if we go down to E flat 7, we get back to C. So there's this symmetrical stepping down that can happen. And I know Joe loved experimenting with symmetry, with chords that would move with particular repeating progressions. There's many examples. The, the name of the album, Inner Urge, well, the song Inner Urge from that album has this different but similar sort of thing. So this is definitely something that Joe was thinking about and experimenting with a lot throughout his musical life. So he has a new set of changes now, and there's a lot we can do with it, as I was saying. Before we dig into that information, I want to tell you the uh, exciting news coming out here regarding the 100th Digging Deeper video. So a couple, for the last couple videos I've been talking about in 2020, I'm going to be going to Europe and doing some teaching, some workshops, some gigs. I'm excited to find out where you're at and if we can come and do a Digging Deeper event or a Jazzwire event near you. So that's cool. But the new news for today is I'm going to be writing a guidebook for the Digging Deeper videos. Now, over these last 100 weeks, I've received an insane amount of people asking for the PDFs, which is exactly what I wanted. A lot of people asking for the last 80 PDFs or asking for PDF number 57. Or how does the 14th video relate to the 76th video? Because they seem to sort of contradict each other a little bit. Or what should I practice first? Or what is the order of the Digging Deeper videos? A lot of really, really good questions. And that is the stuff I want to address. Now, if you've watched some of these videos, I've gotten on my soapbox and uh, ranted about how I'm not a big fan of jazz books. I love books. I love knowledge. I love jazz. But I'll tell you, I've got a big bookshelf over there filled with jazz books that I haven't gotten past page three on. Most of my students tell me the same story. I'm talking about 19 out of 20 of my students say the same thing. What about you? Is this uh, ringing true? Yeah, for most of us, for most books, they don't quite get us there. Nothing wrong with the author, nothing wrong with the content. It just doesn't really work that way. That's why 100 weeks ago, I elected to do videos, not write a book at that time. That's why I created jazzwire.net, because we need personal interaction. That's what works. Now, so I'm not uh, looking at this thing like a book. I'm going to call it a guidebook to what already exists. The videos are there. Now, what can we do with it? Here's the thing. I was thinking about it. I don't want to read a book about Disneyland. I want to go to Disneyland, and a guidebook would actually be cool, telling me what to see and what not to see, where I can get my money's worth, what's not really worth it what would be memorable, what not so much, right? That is the kind of book I want to read. So that's the kind of book I'm going to write. So it's going to be available in, um, that later on in this year, in uh, the fall of 2019. And here's what I want from you. I would love to hear this week and over the next handful of weeks, month, let me know what interested you, what caught your attention. 
in these Digging Deeper videos? Did you enjoy when I was talking about parent rhythms and rhythmic groupings? Did you like talking about non-scale improv ideas? Did you like talking about triad pairs? What was the stuff that you would like me to take and really expand a little bit for you in the guidebook? So that would be what I'd love to hear because I want to make this something that's valuable to you. So uh, leave the comments, be sending emails to diggingdeeperjazz at gmail.com and we'll get it in there for you. Okay, let's get back to Joe Henderson. So I pointed out that he's come up with this new set of chord changes. They are not really, they are substitute chord changes in the sense that he's tossing out one set and he's substituting another. Okay, substitutes. They are not a substitute in the sense of a tritone substitute where the chords are literally synonymous. And if you know about tritone subs, you know what I'm talking about. These chords contradict each other, but they contradict each other in a cool kind of way, the organization, right? So here's the thing. You can apply Joe Henderson's chord changes to any song that has this 1625 progression. So most of the songs you're playing as a jazz musician at some point have this 1625 in there. So what I'm saying is you can superimpose, you can ignore those changes and play Joe Henderson's changes, and you'll notice that it sounds actually pretty cool. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put on a loop of 1, 6, 2, 5 in C. C to A to D to G. But I'm not going to be playing that. I'm going to be playing C, A7, F sharp 7, E flat 7. And I'll sort of alternate and let you know what I'm playing where so you can hear the sound of what's going on. So I think you can hear the places where I was playing more diatonic, inside the chord changes, sort of good bebop sort of stuff. And then when I would use his chord changes, I sounded different. Now, the chord changes made me select different notes, but they made me think differently too. Maybe those are the same thing, but I, I, I really felt like I was sort of in a different zone when I was thinking about his chord changes. They sounded more out. Perhaps they sounded more angular. You know, we can use those sort of words. They're a little bit subjective, but there is that symmetry, those minor thirds. So I tended to play ideas that was an idea that I would then transpose to the next level, transpose to the next level. So uh, everything about what I was playing was kind of different. Now, you may decide, I like that sound, I don't like that sound but it works, and the more you practice it, the more you get these ideas under your fingers and in your ears. This is a very usable thing. Some of you may have noticed that we get a diminished relationship here. The, the root motion, C down to A, down to F sharp, down to E flat, those minor thirds, that is the definition of diminished. That's a diminished chord right there. And 
very much the licks that I was playing came from the diminished scale. Here's the thing, I was not at all thinking about the diminished scale, at all. I was thinking about what's a good little melody in C? What's a good little melody in A? What's a good little melody in F sharp? So that's the way I was thinking, and it happens to give me a diminished sound. It happens to give me the diminished scale, but I was not thinking the diminished scale. And to me, that's important. I was thinking of melodies and harmonies, not thinking of the scale. So that's the, to me, that's a, that's a big one. And if you go back to video number two, scales suck, that's uh, sort of the premise there. Now, let's look at the last item on the sheet, and you can see what Joe Henderson was thinking over that melody. So for the uh, tune Isotope, this is his melody from the last uh, two measures of the tune. If you look at his melody, it's a little three-note melody, the way I think of it, a little three-note cell, if you want to call it that. And he's playing the third, the root, and the flat seven, chord tones, simple chord tones on the A chord. And he plays those same chord tones on the F sharp chord, the same chord tone. It couldn't possibly be a simpler melody based on chord tones. He was letting the root motion, the harmony that he came up with sort of do the work. So this is a great way to get involved with these chords is to play simple little ideas. Again, what he did, could come up with maybe a simpler version. How about one flat seven, one? And I'll take that down in minor thirds. Etc. Etc. So you can see how his melody was something I was using earlier. I was using his melody as a cool sort of toehold to use his harmony. So the melody was very, very simple. And, and, and then sort of the, to flip it around a little bit, I used his harmony to substitute in almost every song I play. Whenever you have a one, six, two, five set of chord changes, you can use his on occasion. You can kind of put him in there sort of according to taste, right? Just like cooking. Whichever spice you want to put in, you put in as much as you personally like, right? So it's, it's very, very slick. His harmony and then the melody he played over top it. So I learned that from Joe Henderson. That was a fantastic lesson. I wish I could send Joe, you know, like a coupon for a hamburger or something like that. Alas, that's not going to happen. But I learned so much from Joe Henderson, and I do know this symmetrical stuff is something he loved. So I really would like for you to give this a try and let me know how it goes for you. That's the important thing. I hope this tickled your brain in a nice way and hope it was interesting. Maybe it gave you some insight into this song that you've been listening to for 30 or 40 years, but I want you to give it a try. It's very, very slick. And most importantly, I want you to leave me some comments about the Digging Deeper Jazz guidebook and the topics that you would like to see in there because I really want to make this something meaningful for you. So it's going to be a very exciting year with the guidebook coming. It's going to be a great next year with a bunch of events in Europe and throughout the USA and Canada. So stay in contact with me. Let me know what's going up and uh, play some Joe Henderson. Have a great week. Hey.